Recently, I watched a monologue of a stand-up comedian on the subject of hospitality. He joked that when he was younger, if the doorbell unexpectedly rang, the whole family would excitedly jump up from their positions and eagerly greet whoever was at the door. It could be a neighbor, a door salesman, or the mailman, but it didn't matter. Whoever it was, they were immediately received as a guest, invited to come in and visit. He went on to say his mom would pull out the Sara Lee pies she had been saving for just the occasion, the same pie that's been hidden from sight until now. He continued on to point out the vast difference in today's culture. Now when someone comes to the door, we panic and duck and cover. Maybe if we're bold and really curious, we army crawl to a nearby window to peek out to see who in the world had the goal to show up unannounced. The audience's laughter encouraged his act, but the laughter also was an indication that confirmed how most of us generally respond to guests. When did we become so hostile to hospitality? Today on Bloom, we'll discover what authentic hospitality looks like and how our homes can be a sanctuary in a tangled, broken world. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for December 2nd, 2022. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationships with each other and the Lord. I can't believe it's already December. Like we were just eating turkey and pumpkin pie a week ago, and now we're heading into the Christmas season, my favorite holiday celebration. The transition of Thanksgiving to Christmas prompts us to go from a time of expressing gratitude and giving thanks to simply giving and serving others. I love wrapping presents and packaging sweet gifts to hand out to friends and family. And giving truly is a gift God intended to use to bless us and others. Of course, we traditionally practice this during Christmas season because God gave us his most precious and perfect gift, Jesus. One of the other common traditional practices we see this time of year is hosting. Hosting for small group Christmas brunch or a family Christmas dinner This time of year tends to be filled with opportunity to open our homes to people in our lives. Now, if you know me at all, you know I am extremely passionate about home. It's a love that God planted deep in my heart at a very young age, and I've been cultivating it ever since. When I was a little girl, my family would often take long bike rides, and it was one of our favorite summer activities. Sometimes our bike riding adventures would lead us to neighborhoods where newer houses were being built. And one day we noticed that the door was left open to one of the houses that was being built. And the construction workers had already left for the day, leaving behind remnants of their presence with empty styrofoam coffee cups and cigarette butts. And we decided to walk up the two-foot wood plank that took us into the doorway and we peeked in. And as we all entered inside, I immediately noticed that there were no walls up yet. No carpet on the floors, just wooden frames that gave us enough of a blueprint. And as a six-year-old who loved playing house more than anything in the world, I was instantly captivated. I wandered from room to room, picturing everything from the furniture placement to the paint colors on the walls. I imagined the beautiful banister that would complement the winding staircase in the foyer. And of course, I picked out which room would be mine, obviously the one with the ensuite bath and jacuzzi tub. 
And then from then on, our family had a new bike riding tradition. These houses quickly became known to me as the broken houses. And I can only assume that I called them that because in my young mind, they needed to be worked on, so I figured they must be broken. And it's always been a passion of mine to have a home that is welcoming. One that is warm, beautifully decorated, smells inviting, and stocked with good things to eat. And if you would ask me if I practice hospitality regularly, I would quickly say yes. I love entertaining and having people over. But recently, God began pressing on my heart that the practice of hosting and the practice of authentic hospitality are two very distinct things. Now, I'm telling you this because I want you to know what a great deal of the content on Bloom is directly related to how God is growing and pruning me in areas of my life as well. I don't believe God would give me a medal for hospitality. And I'm not even confident I would receive an honorable mention. He's wrecked me quite a bit the past couple of weeks on all my preconceived beliefs and definitions of what biblical hospitality looks like. And some of you may be farther down the road in this aspect than I am, but if you aren't, I'm happy that we have the privilege to grow together in this. So how do we differentiate between hosting and hospitality? And what are the marks for authentic hospitality? I don't want to be known as the person that ducks and covers when people come to my door. So let's talk about this. Number one, Authentic hospitality focuses on serving, not showing. What does that mean? A friend of mine once put it this way. She said, when you think of inviting people into your home, are you focusing on blessing them or impressing them? You see, a lot of times when we host, we easily place heavy emphasis on the details. I'm all about the details when people are coming to my house. The table is beautifully decorated with matching plates and a show-stopping centerpiece. Every nook and cranny in the house is spotless. You've thought through the menu, the entertainment, and even the conversation topics. Very, very thoughtful, but very, very detailed. So my brother and I, we take turns every year alternating hosting Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I will tell you that for years, as the hosting day approached, I would drive my family crazy. It was like I was a completely different person. The most accurate meme I saw to describe my behavior was a side-by-side picture of the Tyrannosaurus Rex from Jurassic Park with a caption above it that read, me before guests arrive, and then the other picture with the Rex from Toy Story, the cartoon, with the caption, me once guests arrive. So if you don't get those references, you can Google them. But I would literally go from room to room checking for any little imperfection I could find. I would even go as far to buy paint to touch up the tiny marks on the walls, which gave undeniable evidence that the house had been lived in. I needed to make sure all the dishes matched, all the napkins were folded just so, not a crumb would be found on the floor, no pillow left unfluffed. I've grown in this area, and as a recovering perfectionist, I think my family would attest I'm nowhere near the basket case I used to be. I'm much more chill now. 
But I can admit when I look back with complete transparency that 95% of my efforts in preparing to host was completely out of a selfish motive. I wanted friends and family to come into my home and ooh and ah at the dessert I spent five hours on or marvel at the beautiful tablescape that I had created. And at the heart of my hosting, I just wanted to impress. My internal goal was for people to be impressed more than to be blessed. And it's not to say that you can't have the right heart motive when entertaining guests, But let's not hold it to the same definition as hospitality. A lot of times we think that we can use hosting and hospitality as if they're interchangeable, but they're not. They are extremely different. When we want to examine one of the primary differences between hosting and hospitality, it comes down to a question of who you're inviting. Who are your house guests? You typically host your friends and your family people you're doing life with, people who likely will return an invite to you to their next birthday party or their holiday get-together. Hospitality is entirely about serving those outside your personal sphere. They are the ones who don't have the means to repay you for your generosity. They're the strangers. They are the ones who are truly in need of being blessed. Luke chapter 14 challenges us in this way. Jesus said, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The word hospitality is translated from the Greek word philoxenia. I probably totally mispronounced that, but it means love of the stranger. Now, it's not to say our close friends and family are banned from entering our house, but when it comes to authentic hospitality, we have to look not at those we've placed in the center of our lives, but to those we are called to find in the fringes. Consider Jesus. Even though Jesus was the Son of God, He didn't spend the larger portion of his ministry having brunch with the religious elite and playing centurion cornhole with the prominent leaders in government. He went to the very people we are commanded to invite into our home. He went to the poor, the lame, and the blind. Jesus invited those who truly needed to be blessed, healed, and saved. Story after story, one of the most overwhelmingly beautiful themes in the New Testament is that we see Jesus focus more on meeting those on the fringes of society instead of the ones that are in the center of society. Authentic hospitality is about serving, not showing. And it's serving those who are not always in your personal sphere, serving those in need of blessing, and serving those who can't repay you for your generosity. And the second mark of authentic hospitality is that it isn't typically convenient. You know, I think the more and more that we dig deeper in the Christian life, we're going to discover that convenience is not one of the descriptive words. Our lives in our modern world are run by our calendars. I always tell people, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist because my day 
is dictated by my calendar. Because in order to keep our busy lives on track, we manage them by planning, organizing, and coordinating. And those can be really good things. But when it comes to authentic hospitality, in the least, it's unplanned. But other times, it is downright disruptive. Hosting allows us the time to prepare and make our to-do lists. We pick who we prefer to invite and tend to intentionally avoid challenging people that we know. Hospitality, on the other hand, can be abrupt and impromptu. The opportunity to be authentically hospitable may show up at a time that doesn't fit into our perfect schedules. It might be an incredibly inconvenient season to open your door to someone in need. It may be uncomfortable and awkward. It might be challenging and push us to new limits. It requires unclenching our hearts by unclenching ourselves from our rigid calendars and our self-enforced rhythms. A couple of weeks ago, we were heading home from an out-of-town visit when a deer ran into the side of our car. We didn't hit the deer. The deer hit us, leaving an imprint of the event on the front passenger side bumper. Now, Thankfully, no one was hurt, and even the deer managed to take off after the hit, but hopefully learning to look both ways before crossing the road next time. You know, car accidents are never convenient, and it can be especially inconvenient when the one at fault doesn't carry insurance. And when I went into the body shop to get the estimate of the damage, the shop's slogan on the wall caught my eye. It said, restoring your life's rhythms. I thought, isn't that the most comforting slogan? We're creatures that crave stability, consistency, and comfort. We take the path of least resistance. When our plans in life go off the road, we do everything in our power to regain balance so we can put life back into cruise control and coast in our convenience. And that's what I believe what makes authentic hospitality so challenging to Western Christians. You see, we're too caught up in our own world and our own agenda that we push back anything involving challenge, change, and inconvenience. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is in the middle of teaching when a group of desperate people bring their paralytic friend to be healed. I'm reading Luke chapter 5 beginning in verse 17. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now you might wonder, what does this story have to do with hospitality? The point in this story is that Jesus' ministry was never dictated by convenience. Here we see Jesus. He's teaching a message. Important people are watching him. His disciples are learning. Onlookers are listening. Then, all of a sudden, here comes this group of people tearing through the roof of this house to interrupt Jesus' teaching so their friend can be healed. I mean, My first thought would be, 
who's going to clean up the mess? If I'm the owner of that house, who's going to repair my roof? I mean, who do these people think they are disrupting Jesus like this? But did Jesus turn them away? Did he rebuke them for interrupting him, especially in front of all these religious leaders who pride themselves on their structure and their order? Jesus did two beautiful things here. First, he welcomed them by commending them for their faith. Can we say we are just as gracious when people disrupt our lives? When the interruptions come? The second thing Jesus did was he healed the paralytic. That home utilized for teaching was immediately transformed into a hospital. Our homes, when opened for authentic hospitality, can literally become a spiritual hospital. Just like that broken roof, ministry to broken people is messy. But God desires us to invite the mess of others into our home so we can demonstrate to them the healing power of Jesus. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What better picture do we have than this group literally carrying their friend on a stretcher coming to Jesus? They're carrying his burden. You know, carrying another's burdens will never come with convenience. That's why they're called burdens. But we've been called not to a life of selfish comfort, but unselfish carrying. Authentic hospitality requires us to release our plans and our preparations in order to accept a ministry that is inconvenient and perhaps even completely disruptive. Now, the third mark of authentic hospitality is a joyful heart. 1 Peter 4 and 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I have to say that in a lot of my experiences when hosting, when people come to my house and they leave, I have struggled with grumbling. I might grumble at the fact of maybe someone's kids did something to mess up my house. Maybe I was surprised that nobody offered to help me with the dishes. Maybe I was frustrated because someone critiqued my souffle. I don't know, something. But I tend to find something to grumble about. But when we are sharing the love of Jesus to a world in need by opening up our hearts and our homes, there is no room for a grumbling, complaining spirit. Grumbling and joy cannot harmoniously coexist. And a lack of joy is a leak in your Christianity. Now, I cannot talk about the topic of hospitality without mentioning the remarkable story of Lydia. One of my favorite stories about hospitality in the Bible, Lydia was a wealthy business owner from Thyatira. In Paul and Silas' ministry journey to Philippi, Lydia listened to their message and became the first recorded Christian convert there. But her story is marked by someone who understood where a joyful spirit and authentic hospitality meet. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can join me in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. 
we remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed to be there in a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us, now listen to this, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Meaning she insisted that they would come. Lydia gladly welcomed, or I should say, like I said, insisted. It wasn't just a simple invite. It was, I'm not taking no for an answer, to Paul and Silas to stay at her house. And why is that? Why is that so remarkable? She was overflowing with the joy of her new salvation in Jesus. So much that she chose to extend the invitation that would allow her home to become the conduit of the first Philippian church. And that's what God's joy can accomplish. When we are so filled to the measure of the fullness of Christ, we can't help but dish out that joy to others. I mean, why else does God desire to fill us to overflowing with his joy? Is it supposed to just be for our own benefit? No, he knows the powerful impact that can result from a joyful heart. Lydia was too grateful to grumble. God was quickly producing the fruit of joy in Lydia's spirit, and it was already blossoming in an astonishing way. Rosaria Butterfield, author of The Gospel Comes with a House Key, challenges and encourages us. Let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium, or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Because that is the point, building the church and living like a family, the family of God. You might have a lot of holiday hosting plans on your calendar this season. Maybe you've already mapped out your menu and wrapped your gifts. Maybe you're still scouring the internet in the aisles of Target for that perfect Christmas centerpiece and all those little details that would just make the holiday time even more special. But I hope in the midst of all of that, you find yourself in my shoes, challenged by the marks of authentic hospitality. Maybe you're wondering, where do I even begin? I will say, Your neighbors are a great place to start. I don't know how well you know your neighbors, but if you don't yet, you need to. God has placed you within short reach of the people living beside you. And here's a convicting question. Would your neighbors be able to identify you as a Christian? If someone were to ask them, what do you think they believe? Would they be able to say, that you're a Christian? Is there a missionary couple in need of a place to stay while they're on home assignment? What about a foreign exchange student or taking steps to become a foster parent? There are more opportunities than we realize. And like Lydia, how can God use your home to build his church? Authentic hospitality is about serving others, even when it's inconvenient, out of the overflow of a joyful heart. 
I'm praying that the kingdom of God will advance in greater capacity through your authentic hospitality this season and moving forward. Have a beautiful and blessed Christmas. Thank you for being part of Bloom's growing community. Join me back in January as we welcome 2023. As always, keep growing and God bless. Thank you.